This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Greetings and salutations. Hello, everybody. Thursday on the Chris Salcedo Show here on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcoming in the Facebook page for the Blaze. Hey, everybody, I missed you last week. We're on vacation, but we're back ready and raring to go. And I I thought last week was a big news week. Of course, with yesterday's events and other things happening, we have a lot to talk about today. Here's the theme for today's show. You are the first line of defense. The events yesterday in Alexandria, Virginia, have reaffirmed that notion in my mind, and I want to reaffirm it in yours. And I'm not just talking about your ability to defend yourself, your God-given right to defend yourself that is enshrined and protected, at least for the time being, in the Constitution of the United States. All of that is coming your way. Not just that, but also, if you are under attack, ways of saving your life medically. We'll get into all of it here on the program. Dial us up at 888-933-93-888-900-3393. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. That's on-demand listening for Blaze Radio programming. Binge listening, if you will. I'm not quite into this, although I can see the appeal of just cramming in a whole bunch of episodes at the end of the week or on a Saturday. And I know people who do this. I kind of like to to listen to my talk radio day of, but some people want to catch up all on Saturday when they're doing nothing, which is fine. Uh, Netflix does this kind of thing, right? You just watch episodes I think I did that with Stranger Things because I didn't know it was around but I'm going to watch it week by week when season 2 comes out uh, catching the show live blaze.com slash radio blaze radio smartphone app the iHeartRadio app on uh, uh, let's see the social media you got the Facebook page the Chris Salcedo show Facebook again is the Chris Salcedo show on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX and on the blaze.com you can go to the channels section, theblaze.com and channels. Okay, so before we get into any of the talk of you are the first line of defense, and today we're going to talk with Congressman Michael McCall of the House Homeland Security Committee. We're going to talk with a guy that's going to teach you about first responding medically, and then we're going to talk about a guy uh, to a guy who wants to uh, make sure that you are up on uh, your rights as a gun owner in the country, Larry Pratt. 
from Gun Owners of America. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use my, my buddy Dana Lash. She jumped on Fox News yesterday and just ripped apart some liberal gun nut. It was great. It was great to watch because she had facts, you see, and rationality on her side, you see. And I can hardly wait to play the audio for you. If you folks are on Facebook Live, you might want to jump on if you didn't, you didn't catch this on, uh, on Fox yesterday. We'll play the audio for you so you can hear Dana just rip this, this little man to shreds. It was very, very entertaining. What I want to start off with today is uh, I, I appeared on I-24 News yesterday. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it is a uh, New York-based, well, it's, it has an outlet or a, uh, a bureau in New York, but it's based out of Israel. A really nice folks over there. Uh, David Schuster is one of the anchors, and uh, forgive me for not remembering her last name, Michelle, uh, delightful lady. They are the anchors of the program that I was on yesterday. And the guy that I was sitting uh, across from, figuratively speaking, because I was broadcasting here from the, from the Blaze studio, uh, the guy I was sitting across from was a guy from San Diego who I, I knew of. His name's Chip Franklin. And I, didn't, I, don't, I wouldn't classify this guy as a, as a lefty. I, I think he's just a never-Trumper, just, just despises the president, judging by our uh, conversation yesterday. And I was hit with this, this story that President Trump is now under investigation. And I was befuddled by what they were talking about because I know that the man with the utmost integrity Mueller, remember, bipartisan integrity. There's no way he could have leaked about all of this stuff. But apparently, something got out to the pages of the Washington Post and the New York Times about Donald Trump now being under investigation for obstruction of justice. Now, this is off that testimony we heard from James Comey, who reaffirmed that under no time, or at no time, was... President Trump under any investigation when he was heading the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Zero. Nada. And he reaffirmed it to the president on three separate occasions. And James Comey was emphatic about that last week in testimony. So naturally, our buddies over the New York Times and the Washington Post, upon hearing a lot of uh, Republicans driving that point home, well, they said, well, we can't let this stand. So they dialed up their sources, you know, their anonymous sources, those sources. They dialed them up and said, hey, can you give us a quote saying that the president is indeed under investigation? And they said, sure, we are leaks are us. This is what we do. We leak things. Hell, we make crap up. That's what we do here at Leaks Are Us. And so let's leak it out so you guys can report it over at the Washington Times. I'm sorry, the Washington Post and the New York Times. <laughs> Washington Times, a reputable paper, a good paper. I recommend them. Washington Post and the New York Times, I don't. Why? Because James Comey affirmed last week that stories, news stories, again, making air quotes with my fingers for you folks on radio, you folks on Facebook Live, you, you can see it. These news stories that were put out by the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, uh, ABC, were confirmed by James Comey to be tripe, false, crap, 
BS. That was one of the big takeaways from James Comey's testimony is that these individuals I just mentioned, these organizations, I should say, and the individuals who run these organizations are in the business of putting out crap that has no resemblance to actual news. That's what they do. And James Comey confirmed that these stories that came out were absolutely BS. Not the truth. They were made up. Are you guys getting the picture? So I tweeted this out yesterday, and not to put too fine a point on this, I said, but these, making air quotes again, news organizations, aren't these the same news organizations who were confirmed by James Comey to have been lying in their pages about stories about the investigation of Trump collusion with Russia? Oh, by the way, you notice that the collusion discussion has all but disappeared because there's nothing there. There's, there's no there there. The FBI has been in investigating for almost a year and still no evidence of collusion. So now we're going to move on to obstruction, obstruction of justice. And the, the folks who are informing us of this are the Washington Post and the New York Times, the already proven lying so-called news organizations. And this guy Chip Franklin from San Diego and I-24 News are going, well, well Chris, it's, it's been confirmed. Oh, has it? You mean just like the last stories that said that Donald Trump was under investigation and he wasn't? Just like the news stories that said that James Comey was going to come uh, show up in front of this committee and say all manner of things about Donald Trump and didn't? As a matter of fact, the only thing that was somewhat damaging that James Comey said about Donald Trump is that James Comey personally thought he was a liar. So? <laughs> James Comey's a leaker. What do I care about a man who is obviously devoid of character, what he has to say about Donald Trump, the President of the United States? Why would I give a damn? I don't. I don't. And why would I believe anything that is written in the pages of the New York Times or the Washington Post? As a matter of fact, an editorial in the New York Times just today suggested that Sarah Palin was responsible for this left-wing nutcase shooting up Republicans on a baseball diamond in Virginia. Yes, it's uh, concluded. It's uh, evidentiary that uh, Sarah Palin was responsible for Gabby Giffords, and thus, and thus, he, uh, uh, she was responsible for this this crazy left-wing nutball who shot up the Republican baseball field. I think the New York Times had to retract that, not retract. They amended it. You see, when you're when you're a left-wing publication, you never have to say you're sorry. You never have to say you're sorry. Oh, well, we are uh, modest correction here. Uh, there were no, uh, there was no linkage between Sarah Palin and the Gabby Gifford shooting. These are the credible news organization. This guy, Chip Franklin, and I-24 News were coming at me yesterday saying, well, hey, Donald Trump's under investigation. <laughs> really? I don't know that to be true. James Mueller hasn't stepped in front of the camera and said, he's under investigation nor would he. Uh, probably tomorrow, we'll get into this propriety of Mr. Mueller actually being involved 
as special counsel, as he is such a close personal friend of James Comey, that in and of itself is a no-no. That's all coming up uh, tomorrow on the Chris Salcedo Show. But today, the theme is very simple. You are the first line of defense. Stick with me, everybody. You folks on Facebook Live, get on over to the Blaze Radio and dial me up. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. You're on the Blaze. It's your radio republic. Be heard. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad you tuned in. Uh, Coming up, first we're going to deal with medical issues. Then we're going to deal with being armed and make sure you're armed. And then we're going to hear from uh, our buddy uh, Michael McCall, the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee. And uh, I talked with him late yesterday. So I wanted you guys to hear what we talked about because uh, he had a lot to say about yesterday's events. But uh, in the meantime, there are some things that that still need to be talked about after yesterday. And there were some things I wasn't able to play for you because they came down rather late in the day. And Ellie, correct me if I'm wrong. Did we play the audio of the shooting? Did that come down during our show or was that afterward? Yes, we played it. We did play that. Okay, good. I just don't, I don't want to be redundant, folks. But there were some things that I know that came down afterwards that I wanted to play for you. And it, it, it was so emotional yesterday. Uh, Texas Congressman Roger Williams realized, as did every person on that field and every member of Congress, that had Steve Scalise not been there. And by the way, the president came out today saying that... Uh, Mr. Scalise isn't out of the woods yet, that uh, he's in a bad way. I'm paraphrasing what the president had to say, but that's pretty much the, the long and short of it right there. So our, our prayers and our thoughts are definitely with the congressman. But the, the emotional, after all the bullets stopped flying and you had a chance to take inventory, to get out of your baseball uniform and get into your suit and tie. By the way, this is something that we had touched on late yesterday in the show. The game will go on. The game will go on. Uh, both Democrats and Republicans in a unified stand saying, well, we're not going to let the kooks win. And uh, I, I think that's a rather courageous stance to take. Anyway, Texas Congressman Roger Williams, whose staffer was hit in the leg, and thank goodness he was up in front of the cameras today. Yesterday, all of this emotion was kind of washing over him. And just put yourself, have you, have you ever had a near-death experience? 
Ellie, in your young life, have you ever had a near-death experience? Um, I personally haven't, but I, my little sister has. You really? Okay. I remember when I was uh, 17, I was driving in a car with my, uh, my best friend, to this day, who was still my best friend. Brand new, brand new uh, Suzuki. Uh, was it the Samurai? What, what was the one that, that ten, well, Ellie, you wouldn't know this. There was, a, there was a type of Suzuki that was prone to flip over a lot. And that's the one he bought before the, the bad news came out on those. And this was, again, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So we're, um, we're driving in his brand new Suzuki little four-wheel drive Jeep thing. And we're on a rather windy road, and of course we're young and we're stupid, and we're probably doing a little bit better than the than the, the speed limit that was safe to do, and we ended up rolling the thing. And it was one of those where you were glad you had the old poop bar right in front of you, and that's what I was grasping on for dear life. And I remember this like it was yesterday. We were tumbling around. I didn't know when it was going to stop. And as we were tumbling onto the ground, taking on dirt, and we landed, stopped, and we were still alive, <laughs> you know. And it was like one of those moments where you looked around. You look, I looked over at my best friend. He looked over at me. I was in the passenger seat. You okay? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. Okay. Everything. We, we were intact. By the, by the grace of God, we were intact. And we looked behind us, and our buddy Randy was in the back seat. He wasn't there anymore. <laughs> and thank goodness, as the... Jeep was rolling over. He fell out the back and basically just knocked his head on the concrete and the, and the Jeep just rolled right over him. Not, not physically on him, but just kind of like rolled over in that opening in the back of the Jeep. So he was, other than a bump on the head, a little scratch here and there, he was fine. I guess the broader point is, is after that point, when I realized, like, you know, you could have, I realized and my buddies realized we could have bought the farm that night. A lot of emotion tends to swim over you. You start getting a little reflective. You start uh, figuring out what the important things are and you want to go tell those in your life that happened to be my parents at the time that you love them. And this was, this type of emotion was washing over these Republican congressmen who are like lambs to the slaughter if it weren't for those two individuals who were carrying guns. Capitol Hill Police security detail for Congressman Scalise and Roger Williams steps in front of the cameras and thanks them. We saw two people risk their lives to save the lives of others. We saw courage in the face of death. And we saw examples of why all Americans should be grateful every day for law enforcement officers around this country. There could have easily been 25 deaths or more today. I think we had 25 team players and about 15 staff. But officers Griner and Bailey prevented that and my family and I will be forever grateful. And you can hear him choking up as he talks about his family. And... <laughs> A lot of the, uh, I was watching Chris Wallace interview uh, Winstrup and another congressman was on the field yesterday. And the question was, hey, did it ever cross your mind 
that 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 was the day you were, you were gonna you were gonna kick kick it and uh well one of them said who was an iraq war veteran plus being an a military medic or a, a doctor he said no you, you kind of just try to survive the moment you don't think about dying you just try to survive the moment it's afterward when it, once the shooting stops you start thinking about the possibility that you could have died the thin blue line held today and law enforcement officers everywhere should be proud and Americans everywhere should be thankful that this is still the kind of country that still produces these kinds of heroes. So I ask everybody to join me in praying for the victims and for their full recoveries before you go to bed tonight. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, Mr. Scalise, all those who were injured uh, during this horrific a- act yesterday. So this got us to thinking after a call that we received in an earlier version of the show, you know, what? how prepared are we? You are the first line of defense. We'll concentrate on the medical aspect because Steve Scalise, he benefited from having a medical doctor out there on the field. You might not be that lucky. So we'll talk to an expert about that next, and then we'll deal with the guns. Back in a minute, it's the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. thin blue line held today. Texas Congressman Roger Williams, uh, understandably emotional uh, as he addressed reporters yesterday. One of his staff members hit in a leg and um, uh, was actually on camera today. So that was good to see. But these guys are put to the ringer. And that's one aspect of surviving is being able to respond to an aggressor. A lot of those lawmakers expressed angst that they were not armed and could not respond to somebody who was firing at them and that's one aspect that we will cover and touch on today but the other aspect is what the medical professionals one of them happened to be an iraq war veteran and a member of congress and a medical doctor getting out there and trying to tend to the wounded and some are saying these are life-saving measures let's talk more about it with caleb cossey he has uh been a medic involved with field and tactical medicine for over 15 years been providing various courses in field and tactical medicine throughout the united states since 2009 caleb welcome to the chris salcedo show good morning sir uh we were uh, talking about triage yesterday on the program and somebody one of the listeners of the salcedo show actually wrote in and told us about what it is that you you did and i was happy to to make your acquaintance on the phone yesterday so Talk about what it is that you do, because I think you used a phrase yesterday. It wasn't just uh, first aid. It was first aid on steroids, right? <laughs> yes, sir. It was the, in a nutshell, that's what uh, myself and uh, what my company does. We teach people how to combat that feeling of helplessness when a friend or loved one is severely injured. And we don't teach your run-of-the-mill uh, first aid or boo-boo type classes. And uh, the easiest way to explain it to people is just like I told you yesterday on the phone was, we teach uh, 
field medicine and tactical medicine, but uh, it's definitely a first date on steroids. It's, hey, what, not how to be the medics or how to be the EMTs and paramedics, but what can we do uh, to, to treat people before, they actually, before EMS actually arrives? And no matter if it's a few minutes or a few seconds or a few hours, uh, there's plenty that we can do. And that's where, you know, that's, that's what I do is show people how to do that. Well, it's a lot of people are starting to think more and more about this as things in the country, things around the world appear to be more chaotic than they have been. I know it's a matter of perspective. What sets uh, you apart from, as you said, the boo-boo classes? Give me an example of some of the things you teach that you won't get from the first aid boo-boo classes. Um, well, I don't want to miss, you know, misspeak, but uh, even the boo-boo classes are something. I will cr- give credit where it's due. They are something, but we're still not, uh, a lot of these classes are not brought to speed. They're not covering things like uh, massive, uh, ble- how to control massive bleeding with use of uh, tourniquets and hemostatic agents or penetrating chest trauma. You know, if we have received uh, penetrating trauma, stab wounds or gunshot wounds to the uh, chest around the ribcage area, how to deal with these chest seals or uh, the hemostatic agents in the tourniquets, you know? Yeah. How, how long are the classes typically that you put on if you were going to teach a, a, a unit of, of basic field medicine? How long, would, what kind of a time commitment are we looking at? Uh, the classes vary everywhere from a two-hour class, a one-day one class, to a two-day class. Um, we've got classes for healthcare professionals like EMTs and paramedics that are going to be working with SWAT teams that are um, over a week long. But for every, you know, John Q. citizen out there, um, uh, you know, eight-hour class, a one, you know, <laughs> one Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Cossey, our guest right now, he has been involved with field and tactical medicine for over 15 years, and he teaches said he's been doing that since 2009. Uh, my, my understanding is, is this type of training that anybody can learn can be the difference between life and death in situations like we saw in Virginia yesterday. Is that, is that fair or accurate to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is not, you know, rocket science that we're teaching people how to do the things we're teaching them. It's uh, just very, very basic stuff and very simple stuff for, you know, that, uh, hey, how do we, um, you know, how do we use this tourniquet? How do we control these pro- or solve these problems that arise? And how do we identify these immediate life-threatening injuries? Um, very simple. In fact, when we started this, when I started this company, it was uh, geared for more for, law- uh, for uh, EMTs and paramedics. But then I realized, hey, as I'm teaching them, the the first people that are actually going to arrive on scene there are already there. You know, these, uh, the citizens and people are already there. Well, it'd be nice if they could help us help them and just learn a few, you know, little tricks of the trade here. And that really has spun off. And I'd say our, our target, our primary demographic of folks that take our classes are literally just your run of the mill average John, you know, Joe citizen. Yeah. You know what? And that's perfect in keeping with our theme today you meaning the general public are the first responders whether it be an incident where your family happens to be at and you are there if you have the proper training or in your community or in your city or in your neighborhood you are the first responder typically as you you rightly point out caleb it's it's the folks who are first on the scene and then waiting for paramedics that wait time can be the difference sometimes between life and death uh, how can people find uh, find you and 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 check out the services that you teach? Uh, they can look at our website at LoneStarMedics.com, like the Lone Star State of Texas. Okay. Uh, LoneStarMedics.com, uh, also on our Facebook page and Instagram. Now, what about folks, because the Salcedo Show is listened to by 
folks outside of our uh, of the DFW listening area all across the country, if they wanted to find folks in their area who do what you do, what are some of the keywords they can put into a browser that would that bring up some of those individuals? Uh, I would say some words like uh, stop the bleed or tourniquets, uh, pressure dressings, stuff like that. Um, hemostatic would agents. Would tactical, tactical medicine, medicine be good? Is a, is a, tactical medicine would be good. Uh, one of the just I want to be sure that hey, the, people get the applicable medical training, not yeah. just you know what we teach. Uh, obviously, the the SWAT officers is a little bit different type of class than we teach people that are taking a you know that are going to go hunting or fishing or you know enjoy you know out in a national park hiking and stuff versus hey i'm just driving around uh going to work and back and forth dropping the kids off make sure it's applicable tactical medicine and i know it sounds kind of odd that, hey well i don't i'm not a swat you know uh, officer so i don't need to learn <laughs> tactical medicine but yet yeah. uh we had a group of americans playing in Amer- you know playing baseball yesterday at a baseball field and a little tactical medical training might have helped a little bit. Thank goodness we had those those officers there already, uh, those Capitol Police officers that were there to 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 help there. But uh, you know we still hear accounts and the witnesses saying, "Hey, you know, um, we were we were panicked. We wanted we needed more help. We needed help, yeah. and someone else. We needed people to show up." Well, that's the uh, that's the lesson for today, folks. You are the first responder. Caleb Cossey, everybody. He's been a medic involved with field and tactical medicine for over 15 years. We appreciate the time and the expertise here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, so that's installment number one. Again, the the name of today's show is You Are the First Line of Defense. And uh, if you guys, if you're not in that particular area in Texas, then you folks can always check out those types of those medical services. Uh, tactical medicine is what I'd suggest you you search under, and you should be able to find somebody who'll be able to get you some of this first aid training. And it's not what what did he call it the the boo boo training? No, it's 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 not just the boo boo training. It's there's there's more to it than that. And as we witnessed yesterday with the the lawmakers who fashioned tourniquets out of their belts who had first aid training or like the surgeon, the Iraq war veteran surgeon who was out there. Uh, it, it could be a lifesaver. And as you heard our guest talk about Caleb, it, the, the fact that the fact that uh, he started off trying to, to teach EMTs, but the folks who were on the scene first, you, you, you will be the first one in your neighborhood in a disaster, you're going to be on there first. And instead of waiting for the paramedics, you could do something. What if it's your kids? What if it's your parents? What if it's your spouse? You could do something. So I wanted uh, you to know that there are places like this all over the country that teach tactical medicine. And unfortunately, in this day and age, uh, because of the unbalanced nature of certain folks, it's looking like we need this more and more. Now, the other aspect of all of this, of course, is the Second Amendment and your right of self-defense. We'll get into that coming up on the other side of the break. It's Chris Salcedo's show here on The Blaze. Dismantling liberal ideology, one issue at a time. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network.
taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-933-93. 888-900-3393. That's the telephone number. Let's get out to Maryland. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the Salcedo Show. Hey, how you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well, sir. What's on your mind? Well, so... Uh, so I'm, I'm a disabled vet, and I've been deployed numerous times in support of this country. And like a lot of Americans, I have a real passion. And so after I live in Maryland, close to D.C., and after the incidents yesterday morning, um, I elected to contact all of my congressmen and senators um, and express to them my concern over the growing amounts of political violence that we've been seeing in the country over the last year and a half and actually uh, – requested them, implored them to go ahead and start considering and drafting legislation that would make it a federal felony uh, for anybody who engages in political activism that results in bodily injury or property damage uh, as a result, because I'm a fervent believer of the First Amendment, that you have the right to peaceably assemble, but I also believe that that right ends at my nose and my property or somebody else's property. So this is something that that it's growing like like a, a a cancer in our society that we really truly have to, to 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 do something about this now and i'm afraid the only way to do it is to actually make legislation at the federal level and really start going after these groups and these individuals who partake in this so now what I about what about right right now us code 249 which is which is hate crimes Right now, uh, it involves offenses involving actual or perceived race, color, religion, or national origin. Are you saying that you want to include in the hate crimes legislation also political persuasion? Um, No, I'm not wanting to make it a hate crime. I would like this to be a specific class of crime because, in my opinion, hate crimes— I I shy away from hate crimes as much as possible. I've got a background in political science and criminology— and, uh, you know, the, the idea of the, the identity politics, I think, further fuels the fire from one side or the other. So I don't want to include it into the hate crimes legislation. It should be its own standalone um, uh, topic within our U.S. code that, that explicitly calls out political violence. Um, political it, violence. I, I'm not, political violence, right. If you demonstrate so, so just so I understand now, what was what was your is your prescription that if you are found guilty of of political violence, meaning shooting at somebody because you hate their their political ideology, would that carry well, a stiffer crime? Because it's already illegal to shoot at somebody uh, unless right. it's justified, of course. So would, would that carry a stiffer penalty? What does this look like? So so. If you look at what happened yesterday, there's federal law in place that says that if you attack a federal law, uh, legislator, law enforcement official, something like that, you're subject to a federal uh, felony at that point. Okay. Okay. But let's take All the right. situation. Let's take let's take the situation of the UC professor out in California who is uh, being prosecuted right now for slamming the guy in the head with that U-shaped bike lock. That's a he, he's facing a felony at the state level, but he see, he faces absolutely no repercussions at the federal level because that is not a federal crime. That is simply an assault and battery uh, felony charge in the state of California. I want those those um, types of crimes to be ad- to be able to be addressed at the federal level because certain states where there are more uh, liberal progressive uh, judges and whatnot. Um, may 
not consider those types of actions as insidious and detrimental to long-term uh, health of our country. As Well, Anthony, you know, the, the libertarian in me mm-hmm. is a little spooked by something like this because I can definitely see how our political adversaries, progressives, mm-hmm. could use a law like this to, to really, uh, a federal law, to really do a lot of harm and abuse abuse the rights and liberties of of uh, conservatives who don't undertake any type of violent acts, but uh, that th- this law could be construed and and twisted into a pretzel to fit a, a liberal agenda. Are you uh, well, are you at all well, concerned so, about that? So no, because the legislation that I have proposed to my congressional leaders is that the law would be specific. If in the pursuit of your political activism, you cause bodily harm to an individual intentionally, or you intentionally cause property damage as a part of your political expression, then you should be subject to harsh penalties. Because at the end of the day, whether you're progressive or liberal, I don't believe that your right to protest gives you the right to injure me because you disagree with my politics. I don't believe that your right to... Uh, protest gives you the right to damage. So you want to take it. You want to. You you want somebody not only to be subject to, to state uh, penalties, but you also want the federal government to get involved and impose federal penalties on somebody who undertakes something like that. Right, because the concern is not you know you're demonstrating. You've got a group of demonstrators, and accidents happen. Okay, that's an interesting that's idea, Anthony. I got the I got the music playing, but I think it's a very interesting idea. Uh, do me a favor. If if you call up some lawmakers' offices in the future, I'd, I'd really like to hear what kind of feedback you're getting. And maybe some folks listening to us right now will give us some feedback. 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. We're talking Second Amendment next. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is priceless. Absolutely priceless. We're going to get into an abbreviated flip around here, folks. But this thing I was telling you about Trump allegedly under investigation... Uh, but by by Mueller and the special counsel, this thing, th- this story came out late yesterday or I'm sorry, early yesterday. And CNN is on on right now. The Chiron graphic down at the bottom says breaking news. Washington Post says Trump under investigation for obstruction of justice. You know why they're doing that? Because everybody else was focusing yesterday on the shooting of left-wing cra- a left-wing crazy man trying to take out Republicans, that it's they had to cover it. So now they're calling it breaking news, even though it's it's over it's almost over two days old now. The accusation that's all it is. It's from 
unnamed sources. Gee, where the heck have we heard that before? Let's start with CNN. Let's see <laughs> this breaking news that's nearly two days old. A spokesman, despite calls from his GOP allies to lay low. On Thursday, John Thune, the third-ranking Republican in the Senate, called special counsel Mueller a man of integrity. It's not a witch hunt. No, I mean, I think that... You know, he's got a job to do. We all understand that. I think it's in everybody's best interest if uh, if we let him do his job mm -hmm. and uh, and we do ours. Should he be there, though? That's the question. There are and we'll get more into this tomorrow. Greg Jarrett of Fox News wrote a, and he's he's a lawyer. He wrote a great piece about the inappropriateness of Mr. Uh, Mueller being there as special counsel because he has a personal attachment he has a conflict of interest with uh, James Comey. Let's go over to MSNBS. Gee, I wonder what they're talking about. Service that Bob Mueller lives by, but I have heard that their political strategy is to go at Mueller the way they went at Comey in terms of motive and, um, and grandstanding and showboating. Is that gonna work in a legal sense? Well, it is certainly allowed. It is lawful to voice your opinion of the other side, the prosecution, the DOJ, etc. So they can do that. And in prior examples, certainly in the Clinton uh, example. Okay, so you've got CNN, the leader of the basket of bias, and MSNBS, all talking about a nearly two-day-old Washington Post, uh, probably false story, as a lot of things written in the Washington Post are false. New York Times echoed it. And James Comey confirmed that, all, that a lot of the stories surrounding the investigations that are going on right now inside of those publications are fake news. Now, what is Fox News reporting on and talking about? Increasing the level of support and security for all 535 members of Congress. Which side of this debate do you come down on? I don't know if there's a side to the debate. I know that in the coming days and weeks we'll be uh, obviously talking about this. I, I don't think we can have a situation like we did uh, uh, yesterday happen again where there's a collection of members. Had Steve Scalise not been there with his security detail, then it would have been much, much, much worse. Oh, so Fox is actually talking about the real news story, whereas... CNN and MSNBS are talking about the fake news story. I see. Uh, thank you for clearing all of that up. This is why we do the flip around, folks, because it it is informative every day of the editorial choices being made by uh, the biases fully illustrated over at MSNBS and the leader of the basket of bias, CNN. And by the way, as we mentioned, I think last hour, Steve Scalise is in in choppy territory right now as far as his his health after being shot in the hip they're not they're being pretty tight-lipped to just how bad it is but it's it's getting pretty dicey from what we understand and while steve scalise was bleeding on the ground and while four others were injured from gunshot wounds yesterday the democrat reprobate governor of virginia stepped in front of the cameras and said this I have long advocated, uh, this is not what today is about, but there are too many guns on the street. This is not what today's about, but I'm going to talk about it because I'm a left-wing extremist kook who can't wait to exploit tragedies for my own political gain. I have long advocated, uh, this is not what today is about, but there are too many guns on the street. 
We lose 93 million Americans a day. I'm sorry, I, I, I must have misheard. What, what did he say? We lose 93 million Americans a day to gun violence. I mean, okay, uh, let me do some quick math here. Uh, he said, not Ellie, he said 93 million Americans are lost per day to gun violence. Okay, so let me uh, carry a three. So if we have 320 million Americans and 93 million every single day are lost to gun violence, well, um, within five days, the entire population of the United States would be wiped out because of gun violence. The Democrat governor of the once great state of Virginia, folks. We lose 93 million Americans a day to gun violence. I mean, I've long talked about this. Background check, shutting down gun show loopholes. You know, that's not for today's discussion. But it's not, <laughs> not just about politicians. We worry about this every day for all of our citizens. Oh, you hear, you hear the basket of biased press in the background. Governor, you, misstate, you must have misstated something. 93 million, that's an awful lot of people. Trying to cut, because he's a Democrat, they're going to try to cover for him. You see. The best and the brightest. That's that's all the Democrats give us, right? <laughs> and you know what? I'll bet you there are some folks who vote for this guy and who vote for that that particular party and say that 93, 93 million people. That's outrageous. We've got to do something. <laughs> One of those guys last night was on Fox News Channel opposite our our very own Dana Lash, who was who was in a very spirited debate with this gun-grabbing uh, liberal extremist. Listen to this. But I want to point out that the CDC report commissioned by former President Obama in 2013 just proved uh, what we all knew is that defensive gun use by law-abiding Americans, Martha, greatly outweighs criminal abuses. I definitely don't want anyone to be made a sitting duck just because the only argument is that a criminal may abuse something that they have every right to possess. You know what? Th what Dana just said was an, ex an extension of what we said yesterday on this very program. She said it in a different way, but basically it's this, that, that we live in a free society. And one of the prices that we pay for that freedom is the chance that somebody will abuse that freedom. The solution is not to take away everybody else's freedom because of the abuse. The solution is to punish the person who violated the trust. Only in the mind of extremists would you say, oh, look at that person right there. He violated our trust. Let's punish everybody else for his violation. Yesterday's events showed everybody that good guys with guns and the vast majority of everybody listening to me right now are the good guys. We are they. We are the good guys. And our right of self-defense and our right to defend our neighbors and our families is enshrined in our founding document. And no amount of scare tactics from the Democrat governor of Virginia or this guy that 
that Dana was debating last night is going to change that. Guns save well, lives. Yeah, last year and just about every year in America, we have somewhere around 32,000 gun murders and we have about 214 justifiable homicides. Everybody sort of knows that there's a public health yeah, epidemic so around guns. And, you know, we throw out this, this claim that self defense. What, what's the number a, for how many people's lives are saved America? by someone who steps in with a gun? Well, we don't know. Part of the reason is the NRA won't let us do the research. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. Go ahead, Dana, really quick. commissioned in 2013 proved it was anywhere from 2.1, actually 500,000 to 2.3 million instances annually. So don't lie and say that the NRA stood in the way of that. It, dis it disrupts your narrative, and you refuse to acknowledge it. And at the same time, you had the audacity to claim that you're for gun safety. <laughs> What's the word? Boom! We'll talk about this with Larry Pratt. Gun owners of America up next on the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. Reminding America that limited constitutional government is cool. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Listen. Dial. Speak. 888-900-3393. What, what's the number for how many people's lives are saved by someone who steps in with a gun? Well, we don't know. Part of the reason is the NRA won't let us do the research. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. Go ahead, Dana, really quick. commissioned in 2013 proved it was anywhere from 2.1, actually 500,000 to 2.3 million instances annually. So don't lie and say that the NRA stood in the way of that. It, dis it disrupts your narrative, and you refuse to acknowledge it. And at the same time, you had the audacity to claim that you're for gun safety. Let's talk more about this and uh, what, what happened yesterday with Larry Pratt. He's the executive director of Gun Owners of America. Larry, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. Well, thank you for having me back. Good to be with you. Yeah, what about this idea? Do, uh, have you guys uh, been out there preventing folks from doing surveys and figuring out how many, uh, how many lives are saved every year by, by good guys with guns? Not only not preventing it, but we've been... Uh, very happy to post on our website the research done by John Lott and his uh, research foundation, Crime Prevention, I believe is the, uh, the main part of the name of it. And he is a numbers cruncher par excellence. He has analyzed uh, the, the availability of firearms as a factor in the reduction of crime and many things of that uh, related nature. So, no, <laughs> we think it's only to our benefit for people to get as much information on this subject as possible. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how you felt, but I was thoroughly disgusted as individuals had were still suffering from gunshot wounds yesterday, not even transported to hospital, when, as the Daily Caller reported out, uh, here was their headline, Steve Scalise was still bleeding and liberals were calling for gun control. <laughs> and they were hitting Twitter, like uh, guys like David Frum and others. It seems to me, and tell me if you think I'm onto something here or not, Larry, is that these individuals were very quick because they understood the nature of the attacker, that they wanted to, to, to immediately start blaming the inanimate object so that the ideology of the, of the attacker would not be examined. Do I think I have that about right? Well, that's I, I think that's right. And also, there's another related matter that once we uh, have uh, dispatched uh, the problem they don't want us to deal with, um, another question might come up. 
why didn't anybody there have a gun would, uh, besides those two cops? Would it have made a difference had uh, other people been able to join in the battle against the guy with the rifle? Um, this is a question that uh, really pertains to so many crime situations. What if the victim had been armed? And we find that as more and more potential victims is, are armed, uh, the violent crime rate in those jurisdictions goes down. You took me right where I wanted to go. Larry Pratt is my guest, folks, executive director of Gun Owners of America. And many of these lawmakers who were out there sitting ducks, basically, on a baseball field, expressed their angst and their anguish. They weren't armed. They didn't have weapons let, to let go back after on this. that. These yeah. are pro-gun individuals. I think probably all of them have sponsored legislation that would make it so your their concealed carry permit that they very well might have back in whatever their home state would be valid in even the District of Columbia. But that's not law yet. And so here they are playing baseball in Alexandria, Virginia, right across the river from the district. From there, they're going to go right to work. So if they were to have a gun with them at the ball field, which they could have done legally uh, in almost every circumstance uh, here in Virginia, what do they do when they go to work? Do they go back home first uh, to their apartment in Arlington or Alexandria or something and leave the gun there? Or do they go into the District of Columbia with the gun uh, even in their trunk and break the law? It's an intolerable situation. The D.C. laws are stupid, anti-self-defense, and that's one of the explanations for their much higher violent crime rate. We've got to override the District of Columbia's attempt to disarm the good guys. Well, it's not just it's not just D.C. You look in Chicago, you look out in yes. the entire state of California and in, in yes. almost all of those cities out there, you get the same dynamic. But uh, the, the broader point I wanted to expand on was the fact that good guys with guns, by the grace of God, many are saying, who happen to be out there because uh, Congressman Scalise happened to be out there. They were the ones who gave these guys a shot at survival. So the mere presence of good guys, the Capitol Police with, with guns, saving the day makes the case for good guys all over the United States having guns. And what I mean by good guys is law-abiding citizens, not just uh, uh, individuals who are in law enforcement. It does indeed. And just to go back to something you said to drive that point even further home, had Congressman Scalise not been there, had the number four in the hierarchy of seniority or, or uh, uh, influence in the House uh, been there, instead of Scalise, there would have been no armed guards. It was only the t it's only the top three in the hierarchy of the House and the same in the Senate, I think, that get the police protection. It's not uh, that they're more special particularly. It's that that's the nature of limited human resources. We just can't do it for everybody. Well, there is a partial answer. Arm everybody if they want to be armed. Yeah, well, actually, again, uh, perfect segue. Uh, we talked with Congressman Michael McCall, who said that now – this debate has been reignited up on Capitol Hill for allowing these lawmakers to carry weapons in the District of Columbia. Uh, do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? Not just lawmakers, though. Everybody. And that's the point of the legislation that Mr. Hudson of North Carolina and Senator Cornyn of Texas have introduced. Uh, it would make it so that a concealed carry permit in one state, it's good in every state, just like a driver's license. 
that would go a long way to helping in situations like this. Well, hopefully Mr. Cornyn can parlay this incident into uh, uh, getting that type of legislation through and, and maybe some of his Demo- Democrat colleagues who recognize the need for such legislation in the wake of a tragedy that we just saw will see their way clear to side with the Constitution and rather some uh, some special interest groups. Larry it, Pratt, it everybody. personal yesterday, didn't it? Uh, they it played sh- baseball, too. <laughs> it sure did. Larry Pratt, everybody, executive director of Gun Owners of America, sir. Appreciate the time, as always, here on the Salcedo Show. Good to be with you, Chris. Thanks. And as I mentioned with Mr. Pratt there, we did speak with Congressman Michael McCall late yesterday evening, and we will uh, play that conversation for you right after the break here coming up. But I got to get to another quick story that is somewhat breaking. It was breaking yesterday, and we told you about it, is Otto Warmbier was sent back to the United States. He uh, was not the same as when he left the United States and ended up in North Korea. This young man is, uh, is in a coma, and his parents have held a press conference today in which they said it was utter rubbish, the idea that uh, was being floated by the North Koreans, that he contracted botulism while he was in their custody. Medical analysis seems to indicate that this young man was tortured, significantly so, with trauma to his his brain. And he is in stable condition right now, but again, that they're just they're just unsure how this young man is going to recover or if he will. And one, I, I, I know that it's probably foolhardy to allow or, or to, to make policy based on the life of one human being. But just speaking as your rank and file American, this gets my blood boiling. And it's probably a good idea that I'm not in charge because I just might be tempted to make Kim Jong-un pay and pay dearly for what he did to one of our citizens. Uh, My conversation with Congressman Michael McCall that we had late yesterday comes up next right here on The Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, We caught up with Michael McCall, chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, uh, late yesterday. Folks, this is how our conversation went. Kind of threats that come people's way uh, to Republicans and to Democrats and the threats that are made and the violence. I think this country has to take a pause and really rethink our values and our morals. And you have good people on both sides who come here to serve that are attacked um, uh, with language all the time. We have to, we well, have to look at this and do, take the temperature down. These are real people with real families. Um, and if you get that kind of leadership, um, I think that signals to the rest of the country, hey, these aren't sitting targets. Um, these are real men and women 
um, who have families and lives. Republican Congressman Duffy earlier today on Fox News uh, stating the obvious, but what seemed a lot of folks in this country have seemed to have forgotten, lost and mired in, in their political misery. Uh, and we would all do well to remember some of these lessons today, and hopefully the Congress will take some of those lessons. I've got uh, a, a soundbite that I'll play for you later, folks, of t- uh, Texas Congressman uh, Barton and Congressman Doyle, Republican and Democrat, the managers of these baseball teams. And they held a joint press conference, and they had plenty of things to say about dialing back the rhetoric. It's time to become Americans again. Let me talk about this and many other things with my next guest, Congressman Michael McCall, the 10th district here in the great state of Texas. Congressman McCall is chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security. He's the author of the, the new book, Failures of Imagination, the Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Oh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Your comments on the shootings today, sir? Uh, just, uh, it's, it's awful. I mean, the mood up here right now is uh, I think everybody's stunned um, we got the news this morning I got my briefing on it and the fact that uh, you know, the majority whip Scalise is still in critical condition in the hospital uh, was he was crawling from second base out in the, to the outfield to try to save his life and it, fr- quite frankly Chris if if, um, if if he had not been there Scalise he has two security Capitol Police officers assigned to him because he's the majority whip. Had he not been there, I think all these members uh, very likely would have been just slaughtered on that field. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just reminds us, it kind of takes me back to Gabby Gifford and the fact as you were talking, the ex- excerpt he had earlier, that we're all, you know, we, we have our personal lives, um, but we're all kind of targets. And, um, and, you know, the, the public, it, it's gotten kind of toxic out there. And you see the town halls um, and how they react to members. And, you know, we, I look at my social media sometimes, and there's some very hateful things that are said on it. And, of course, this guy, you know, the, the shooter, uh, was, his social media was filled with hate and anti-Trump rhetoric and anti-Republican rhetoric. And, you know, it, it just whether, whether your target's Republican or Democrat, this is just – totally unacceptable form of, of, of political speech. If you, you want to speech, that's fine, but you don't take it to this extreme and use violence and start killing people. Your colleague, Mr. Scalise, who is, uh, as you mentioned, not out of the woods yet, was, no. was still on the ground uh, and, and bleeding when individuals like Kevin Levine, David Frum, and others were already making this a gun control issue when by anybody who has half a brain cell could see it was good guys with guns who saved the day here as you rightly point out had those men and women not been there who were part of the security detail had they not been there you and i would be having a very different conversation right now yes absolutely i mean these these capital police officers are really the 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 heroes uh, from this whole tragic, you know, event. And it would have been, you know, I think as Rand Paul said, a, a killing field uh, had it not been for these two officers. And, you know, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think if, you know, this may raise a debate if, if members should be able to carry weapons to protect ourselves. You know, that's the other side of this equation. But this is not the time to start getting into the, the politics of all this. I think, you know, 
like the speaker said, an attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. I think the rhetoric, we need to kind of restore some civility to our public discourse. And uh, and people need to know that, uh, like as Duffy said, you know, we're, we're humans. We're, we have uh, families. And um, I just pray that the Scalise makes it through this. And, and you know, the other staffer was uh, shot in the chest and just barely missed his heart. And he's in very critical yeah, that's Roger Williams, uh, Texas Congressman Roger Williams, his staffer, who we played a soundbite before you came on, Congressman. He was very tearful and visibly shaken, as as were all members who are on that baseball diamond today. I mean, I, Joe Barton is not known for his his emotion, and he yeah. couldn't contain it today. His sons were with him on that baseball diamond, which has been yeah. the tradition. Uh, your reaction, sir, when you heard of over on the Democrat field, that when they heard about what happened to their Republican colleagues, they engaged in a prayer session. Well, and there's a there, that photo um, is etched in our memories of them praying for the other team, so to speak. But you know, we're all members of Congress, and we all have a kind of a special bond because of where you know we serve our nation. We disagree on what is right for the country, but that's that's part of our democratic process. But uh, this is these these events uh, tend to bring, I think, the members together and remember, you know, what's what's important. Um, and, um, you know, it's just a, if this game has always been such a cheerful event for Republican and Democrat, and it, it's turned into a tragedy. But the game's going to go forward tomorrow night. We're not going to let the bad guys win. And I think that's an important message for us to have. And I think the speaker gave a great uh, speech on the House floor uh, that was very moving you know, to all the members, um, you know, who were there. And I just, you know, seeing p- the members who were on the field who literally had just really gotten off it just hours previously who were literally just shaken up. I mean, they were yeah. in shock uh, because they'd just gone through this active shooting spree. The big question on everybody's mind is, do you think this will serve to bring down the temperature Uh because and we detailed some of these things before from uh, pundits in the media, from the likes of Fareed Zakaria, who hailed the depiction of Donald Trump being assassinated in a play mm-hmm. uh, as a as a fantastic piece of theater uh, from uh, Tim Kaine, the vice presidential candidate, talking about Democrats taking the fight to the streets after the Democratic loss. Do you think that we Taking some inventory and the, and the rhetoric is dialed down after this. I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. This, this anti-Trump rhetoric has gotten so out of control and, and and hateful, and it was getting really validated by by the media. And I think if anything, this points out that that is not acceptable in in, in our country. Uh, you may disagree with the politics here, but but they take it a step beyond. And of course, this government took it is way extreme uh, yeah. by trying to kill Republicans. And he asked, um, you know, he was, he was asking around, are there these Republicans on the field? And uh, and that's why he, he tried to kill them. I, you know, I, I uh, these members are very fortunate to be alive. Uh, they just, uh, he, was, he had an M4 rifle. He was in very close proximity wow. uh, to them. And again, if it wasn't for the Capitol Police, I, I don't know if they would have survived it. Yeah, I tweeted this out. How ironic that such a, a hateful act might be the catalyst 
to to bring down the temperature and 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 bring back some unity up there on Capitol Hill. Hope springs eternal. Congressman Michael McCall is my guest, folks. Tenth District here in the great state of Texas. Uh, some other issues I did want to talk with you. We originally booked you want to talk about these issues. Uh, number one, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Another blow to the the Trump administration's temporary ban they're proposing. Uh, this is going to go to the Supreme Court, and what do you think its fate is once it's there? Well, you know, the, the president under the Constitution has ex- extraordinary powers when it comes to immigration and who um, he deems proper and, you know, to bring into the country. So I really think, you know, the Ninth Circuit has always been very liberal uh, circuit, and I, I, I think that uh, I think this has really become a uh, executive branch uh, constitutional presidential authority issue um and i do think he will ultimately you know prevail on this in the meantime when i talked to secretary kelly uh, the secretary of the uh, department of homeland security in the meantime what i've been urging them to do is ramp up this vetting process in the high threat countries those seven countries didn't come out of thin air they were actually in my visa waiver security bill that i passed the last uh Congress and Obama, President Obama added three of those countries to the seven. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a, a foundation in law uh, for these countries. But I, you know, I would argue, in the meantime, the ban was supposed to be temporary until they could put vetting procedures in place in these very high threat areas. And, and I have urged the department to move forward with that. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk to you about: uh, you are part of a something called a bipartisan Capitol Hill National Security. Forum. It's you, uh, Congressman Rupersberger, uh, Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio, and Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware. What is this all about? Well, you know, I, I think I've always thought that, you know, um, national security should be a bipartisan issue. And, and certainly uh, they don't care about our party affiliation, the terrorists. Uh, and when we, you know, it, we leave the water's edge, we, we should leave this a lot of this partisanship. Now, I've made you know, my I've had my criticisms of President Obama and his foreign policy, and I thought it, it was a failure. But I think this um, is really an attempt to have top national security experts uh, come to the Hill. And I can't think of a better time to be doing this right now than after the shooting this morning. But, you know, people like John Kelly, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Ambassador uh, Nikki Haley, you know, former Jay Johnson secretary, we'll have former CIA directors, all kind of coming together to talk about uh, how can we better protect Americans from the threats. And the threats, as you and I have talked about, and I talk about in my book quite a bit, are, are not, uh, they're not getting better. It's getting you know, worse in, in some respects, or many respects. Well, uh, Congressman, uh, first off, uh, your, your staff bent themselves into pretzels today to get you on onto the program. <laughs> so uh, thank them for me, and, uh, and, and and thank you for all the time that you uh, always graciously carve out for the, for the Chris Salcedo Show. Congressman Michael McCall, everybody, the 10th District in the state of Texas. The book, Failures of Imagination, the Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. Congressman, we'll talk again, sir. Thanks for being here. No, thanks as always, Chris. I appreciate it. That's how it went late yesterday, folks, with the congressman wanted to get some of his comments and what he's been working on on the record and on the show. So you all know, too. All right. We'll wrap the show coming up next here on the Blaze Radio Network. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network.
And by the way, we've uh, put up a picture of Fareed Zakaria on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. (laughs) Getting a lot of attention from you folks out there. This is at CNN, shooting in Aurora, Colorado of Gabby Giffords and now the Virginia shooter. CNN neglected to cover the shooter's left-wing political leanings. So we... uh, we put up a picture of Fareed Zakaria, the potty mouth face of CNN. Fareed, Trump hater, Zakaria. That's getting a lot of attention, as is uh, a quote from our good buddy, Ed Dean, the radio machine from Florida. He's been on here as a guest, and he does uh, talk radio out in Florida. It says, bad week for ODB, old dirty Bernie Sanders. Portland stabber, a Bernie Sanders supporter. D.C. shooter, a Bernie supporter. Reality Winter accused of leaking American intelligence secrets. Bernie Sanders supporter. Anybody else, he asks, seeing a pattern here? (laughs) Which is a pretty darn uh, good question. Very good question. Um, The uh, the Daily Caller was watching CNN yesterday and, and stumbled across this. Today in the White House, we have perhaps the worst and most dangerous president in the history of our country. With hindsight, did he, does he go too far in speaking like that about the president? I don't think so, Wolf. I think it, what's interesting is that was at the People's Summit. And uh, what I noticed on the weekend was that without any prior discussion, Roseanne DeMauro, Nina Turner, Van Jones, Bernie and I all spoke about being being careful and and being involved with uh with our our policies and with our facts but not engaging in the politics of of personal destruction that we believed in civil discourse uh, nina was saying hard on issues soft on people uh van jones was saying <laughs> uh i don't care who you voted for what we ca- what we care about now is where do we stand mm-hmm. now dangerous I mean, when you throw 23 million people off of health care without even a hearing, that's dangerous uh-huh. to those 23 million people. We have, to ha- we have to be able to discuss the issues without demonizing the opponent. And honestly, Wolf... Like you just did to the Republicans. But then she says, honestly, Wolf... I think the media needs to look at itself as well. <laughs> uh, the media it characterizes every conversation as uh, as a an adversarial one your job the media's job i think is to illuminate the facts not fan the flames wow so the wife of the socialist senator from vermont jumps on the leader of the basket of bias and says you're the problem cnn which you know what how many times have i told you guys that Bernie Sanders and I identify a lot of the same problems in this country. I just our solutions are radically different. Now I can say I can agree with Mrs. Sanders. <laughs> CNN is definitely part of the problem. Hey, remember everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Grand day, everyone. We'll see you back here Friday tomorrow in the blitz. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network.